0: Hey y'all, this is video five for our poolside encountering Jesus in the waters of his word series. And today we're going to be talking about the section entitled taking God at his word. I first wanted to show y'all this little Bible. You're actually going to read about this Bible in this section and this Bible belonged to my grandfather. He was in, he served in world war II in the U S army. And what amazes me is that everyone in the military at that time, when they were sent out, they received these Bibles. They're actually small enough to go in the front of your pocket. They actually have a metal plate on the front. And some of the stories that I've read online about these are some actually have bullet holes in them. Um, It just amazes me that during World War II, during that time of confronting the greatest evil the world had known, they were issued along with boots and a uniform and, and ammo and guns. They were given these small Bibles. And the fact that they literally took the word of God with them wherever they were is just such a powerful image for us right now. Um, to really uh, be remindful and remember that this is the most powerful sword that we carry we truly are armed and dangerous when we know not only how to take the word of god with us but how to take god at his word and so that's what we're going to be unpacking today um what does it really mean to take god at his word taking is this this idea of really latching onto, of really owning and and grabbing a hold of and it's so critical right now in this really changing atmosphere this constant um narrative that we're hearing of anger and pain and we're all in it we're all frustrated and angry and feeling pain and and having a lot of fear and not always knowing what the correct response or a reaction is and um i find it so important right now that we really understand how to take god out his word how we really understand how to own and live out and latch onto the word of god And um, we have an opportunity to do that like no other generation has had. And we're in a season where it is challenging because we have a lot of fear and anxiety and worry and concern and pain. But at the same time, where that challenge is in the natural, there's this incredible spiritual opportunity for those of us who are willing to really latch on to His Word and really walk that out. And I'm going to show you some practical steps on taking God at His Word that you can use in your daily walk. I first want to look at one of the things that we often don't realize is that when we're born into this world, we um, develop this ability to doubt. It's, it's In fact, doubt becomes something that we become conditioned to do. Um, we, we start to view things with skepticism, which is very different than discernment, godly discernment, which is in the Bible. Skepticism sounds like, you know, we'll take everything with a grain of salt. It's that, that sort of lens that we look through, and, and, and it's distrust and doubt are, are really the lenses that we, we begin to view the world through. And um, it's a learned behavior. It's not something that we practice. It's not something that we um, you know, seek out. It's just a learned behavior over time in which the world that we're born in. Uh, in fact, it's interesting to me, you know, I can put an address in my phone And I have oftentimes more trust that's going to get me exactly where I need to go than actually trusting the word of God to get me where I need to go. And so what we're going to do is unpack, how do we unpack the doubt and the, and the distrust? Because when we read the word of God, when we're in the word of God, we really want to be able to fully embrace what God has for us. And, um, when we understand that hesitancy, doubt, dismissal, you know, those are learned behaviors that in this world can sometimes be useful, it's not necessarily useful when we approach the Word of God. In fact, it, they throw up stumbling blocks and um, they become a hindrance when we are wanting to dive into the Word of God and, and really digest and live out what His promises are, are speaking to us. And um, I think one of those things that, that we begin to think of about God is we can't honestly imagine that he's just truly outrageously as good as he says he is. So we have this skepticism that, okay, is God really good? Is God really who he says he is? And is he really saying all that for me? And, you know, in this world, I think it's easier for us to sort of live off a menu where we can kind of pick and choose what we want to believe versus intentionally stewarding his word as the foundational truth in our life. That is something that we might not have always known how to do. And as children, as a coping mechanism, we use um, doubt because let's face it, all of us have had a parent that maybe didn't keep their word We've had friends that have lied to us, maybe even a teacher that promised one thing and did another. I mean, I even find my own kids saying to me um, things like, Well, Mom, you said such and such. And, and I'll say, Yes, but, you know. And so we kind of approach our conversations. We kind of approach um, God with this hesitancy, with this distrust, because it's easy to grow in this world. It's easy to grow when those around us maybe aren't keeping their word all the time. And we're not even aware of the the presence or influence that distrust and doubt uh, creates in our life because we've never really been taught how to examine it, how to pause, how to um, hold that out and think, okay, do I need, is that useful when I'm when I'm coming to the word of God? So when we come to God's word, when we come to the encounters with Jesus and we read his words, we are coming unknowingly blind by the lens of distrust. And, and we're reading his word uh, through that, which can lead to frustration and irritation and just annoyance and honestly distraction. I think one of the things I hear the most is people saying, you know, I get so distracted when I go to read the word of God. And um, so what we often do is we just often go to the word of God and we just gather information and data. And we don't really know. to live off revelation. We don't really know how to engage uh, and take God at his word and engage in relationship when we're reading the word of God. So um, that distrust really steps in and acts like a barrier, which doesn't allow his word to penetrate our hearts. Um, And it becomes the distrust and the doubt become a default that we've lived with our whole life because it served as a protective mechanism in a world that does devour the gullible, that kind of tramples on the innocent, that um, takes advantage of the naive. So how, how, do we, how do we do that with the word of God? How do we set aside the doubt, the distrust? How do we silence that so that we can get into the word of God and really take God at his word? So what I want to do is I actually want to highlight a specific passage in the Bible today, and that's going to be in Genesis uh, you can grab your Bible, open your Bible, and if you don't, I'm going to read it for you. But it's, um, it's, it's where Abraham and God are talking. It's Genesis 13, and I'm going to read uh, the passage 14 through 17. We're going to meet up with Abraham. And if you're not familiar with Abraham, he really is referred to throughout the Bible, in the New Testament and the Old Testament, as, as truly the father of our faith. And, um, it's easy to, to read this and breeze through Abraham's life and be like, well, you know, God did that for him, but that's not how God's going to, not going to do that for me. Or, you know, would God ever even talk to me that way? Would God even ever promise me anything that good? Or, or does God even talk to people anymore? It's easy to kind of look on this side of Abraham's life and being like, well, it was easy for him to get that. And actually it's not. Uh, and I want to show you, um, Three simple steps that we can take from Abraham's life and apply it to our life now. So starting in Genesis 13:14, and I'm going to read through 17. So it says in verse 14, "'The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, "'Lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south, east and west. "'All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever.'" I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. Now, let's look at a couple of things in this particular passage. One, he had a falling out with his nephew, who he had viewed sort of as a son. So, this is coming on the heels of a family fallout. This is also coming on the heels of a man who has not been able to have his own biological son. He is married, but he has not. He and his wife have not been able to conceive biological children. So, not only is he in pain because he's had uh, this fallout with Lot, his nephew, who he's treated like a son, who's been with him for years, but it's also the pain of God saying, "You know, I'm going to make you know your offspring like the dust of the earth." And he's going. I don't even have kids. How can you even do that? We've tried for years and we haven't been able to have kids. And so um, let's look at the actual process that God very subtly is leading Abraham through. And when I was reading this passage a couple of months ago, the Lord highlighted specifically Abraham, the way Abraham responds allows God to fulfill these promises. So the first thing that God is asking for in this passage, the first thing that God asks of us is obedience. And I know that's that one word that everyone goes, ugh, because it just sounds so lackluster. It sounds so um, heavy and like God is the taskmaster. But I hope by this point, as we work through poolside, you've begun to re- realize that's not who God is. He's not, you know, the mean parent, he's not the dictator, he's not the taskmaster. Obedience is this place that we come into of going, God, I hear you. It's where we pause and we say, I hear you and and I can do that. And he asks us for obedience without defiance because defiance is actually going to work against you. So when we um, obey God, we comply with his request. And what does he ask of Abraham? Abraham, lift up your eyes. So y'all, it's as simple as Whatever it is that we're doing right now, whether we're on our phone, whether we're attending to our children, whether we're working at our, our office and and just sort of inundated with work and, and, you know, I know I've got a to-do list of things that have piled up, would we be willing to just pause and lift up our eyes? Remember last week we talked about stop, look, and listen? It kind of falls into that. It's this place of pausing, stopping okay, God, I'm willing to lift up my eyes without defiance, just, just the willingness. That's, that's where the obedience begins to, to, to take root. And then number two is surrender. Surrender and obedience, there's a very subtle difference there. Surrender is doing what God asks with gladness. And this is where the promises of God are hidden. You know, we can all, we've all watched our children be obedient, or we ourselves can be obedient, but on the inside, they're angry. It's kind of like, you know, when I've repetitively told my son, please get your laundry done, get your laundry done. Fine, mom, fine. And he goes and he does it, but he's angry on the inside. He's obedient, but he is heart of heart on the inside. He's not doing with gladness what I've asked. It's that that one passage in the Bible that says God loves a cheerful giver, meaning give is the obedient part, but the surrender part is the cheerfulness. And so God is asking Abraham, hey, would you be willing to surrender all the doubt that you have? Would you let go of anything you think might disqualify you from what I want to promise you? Because surrender allows us to step into how outrageously good God really is. And you know what's amazing we think that the biggest calling on Abraham's life was faith. No, the biggest calling on Abraham's life was to be a dad. You know, and the faith was that natural, that was the current that he used to become a dad. But if you read that passage again, you realize the biggest calling on Abraham's life was not to be the best herdsman, was not to have the most territory, it was not to um, you know, be the best husband, it was to be a father. And he becomes this incredible father in our faith and a father to many, many, many generations. And so when you're able to surrender with gladness of heart what God asks of you, then the promise, you will find it, it's hidden there. So we have this beautiful um, obedience and now we have surrender. And here's the third part of this. God asks Abraham to go. So we are then called to walk out in faith. We're called to obey, surrender our hearts, and go and walk out in faith. He gives us the same opportunity to go so that we can receive it because when we go is when we get. And and the giving happens from God when we go. And um, we get to practice this in our everyday life. I mean, we get to practice this constantly. If we're praying for patience, God's going to give us lots of opportunities to practice patience. If we're praying for maturity and wisdom for our children, God's going to give us lots of opportunity to be the voice of maturity and wisdom and and role model that for our children. If we're praying for provision, God's going to give us lots of opportunity to believe in provision when it isn't present. So there is this place of obedience. God, I'm going to take you at your word. That's where our obedience is going to start. Two, I'm going to surrender all my distrust and all my doubt, and I'm going to surrender with gladness of heart, and then I'm going to go where I'm going to walk out in faith what what I know you have um, been willing to promise me. And so I remember several years ago having a very difficult family situation, and I remember sitting outside. I love to sit outside when I feel very... um, my, my head feels, you know, lots going on in my mind cluttered. And I said, I was sitting outside and I just was saying out loud, God, I don't have faith for this. And I immediately heard the Lord say, but do you have faith in my faith for this? And I thought, yeah, God, I have faith in your faith for this. And when I learned to have faith in God's faith for certain situations it took the pressure off of me because we often then jump in and believe like, not only do I take God at his word, but then I've got to make it my job to that, that God's words get done. No, it's this beautiful place of saying, you know what, God, I have faith in your faith for this. See, the powerful secret about God is that he wants and he will prove his word true. He will see to it. We just get to obey, surrender, and walk out in faith, and the responsibility is on God to actually follow through. So, the key question we can ask ourselves is, are we willing to allow the Word of God to change us? Because this is a big indicator of taking Him at His Word. It's so dangerous when we think we're in relationship with God, yet we don't allow His Word to change us. That's not relationship. It's actually a hardness of heart. It's actually a holding back from God, where we're kind of acting the part, but we're holding back our heart. And we know, we all know, we don't need any more actors in this world. We need authenticity and transparency and vulnerability. That's what's going to transform this world. But we first need to allow God's word to transform us. And um, Abe didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what that was going to look like, that promise of of this offspring that would be just countless, but he knew God was enough. And that's the path of faith, is that we're willing to obey, we surrender our hearts, we do with gladness what he calls us to do, and we walk, we go, because we know that in the going is where we get and receive from God. It's a powerful posture of um, taking God at his word Knowing God is enough, that his word is enough to feed us, to guide us, to transform us, to protect us. And, you know, Jesus longs to prove his word true. It's one of the reasons he countlessly, tirelessly always shows up for everyone that wanted to be with him. The burden is not on us, y'all. Our part is to hear and receive. And what I want to do for our activation today is I want to walk you through forgiveness because I have found and many know that unforgiveness can be a huge stumbling block. Distrust and doubt aren't planted inside of us. Don't become our lens because we've never been wounded. They become a lens because we've been wounded by the world, by a community, by a culture, by a parent, by a sibling, by a friend, teacher, it doesn't matter. And so distrust and doubt, they build and they are able to build on because of unforgiveness. So we haven't addressed that yet and I want to address that today. And I want to give you an opportunity to walk through that and explain how I've come to understand what forgiveness looks like. Forgiveness does not mean that God saw what happened and it was Okay. Forgiveness does not always mean that you will be in relationship with that person. It doesn't mean that you'll actually, some people that we forgive may not even be alive. Forgiveness is actually an exchange, a divine exchange, where God does see what happens, and he wants to pay for that. Because what happens is when someone wounds us, they owe us something. And often we know that an empty apology really isn't enough. And so what Jesus says is, will you let me pay with my blood what that person owes you? And when we step into forgiveness that way, it's actually quite, quite powerful. And um, it becomes this divine exchange of allowing Christ to pay someone else's debt. And um, I'd love to sort of lead you through forgiveness. And the way that I'm going to ask it today is we're going to ask Jesus If there is anyone that you would benefit from forgiving who maybe didn't keep their word to you. Now, notice how I ask, is there anyone we would benefit? Because what we often use in forgiveness is this language of, well, you need to forgive. Actually, we don't need to forgive. Jesus says we benefit by forgiving. It actually works to our benefit to forgive, to allow him to pay someone else's debt. So if you're willing, let's walk through forgiveness. And the beauty is you can stop this video, you can pause it, and you can go back through and do this many, many times. I'm gonna specifically ask Jesus to bring to mind anyone that, um, in particular, that you didn't feel like kept their word. But the beauty is you can even just ask Jesus, is there anyone who I would benefit from forgiving? So if you're willing, let's, let's, let's ask. Let's ask Jesus. Jesus, and you can repeat after me, Jesus, is there anyone I would benefit from forgiving? And in particular, someone or a group of people who didn't keep their word to me. Now I want you to go with the first people, persons, group that comes to your mind. Now, I want, we're going to ask Jesus to make a list of what we feel this person or group of people owes us. So we ask like this, Jesus, will you make a list with me of what I feel this person or these groups of people owe me? And take your time. Make a list. I mean, it could be, the list could be one thing. It could be 10 things, but pause the video and t- take your time making your list. Now, Jesus wants to know, is what he did on the cross enough? Are you willing to accept his blood as payment for their debt? Would you accept Jesus' blood for every single thing on your list? In other words, if your list is some, has something like, you know, to work, they never said anything kind about me. Would you accept his blood to pay that debt? that they never said anything kind. Would you let him pay it and let him speak kindness into you? And if your answer is yes, then I want you to repeat after me. And again, you can pause this at any time, but the prayer of actually allowing the divine exchange to take place sounds like this. Jesus, I accept your blood as payment for this person's debt. Wash your blood through all the things done and not done. Wash your blood through all the things said and not said. I release this person to you. They no longer owe me. Wash me and cleanse me of all that unrighteousness. And I look to you, Jesus, to pay me back. Amen. Now, what I'd like you to do is ask Jesus, Jesus, what blessing do you have for me now that unforgiveness is gone? Once you see it or you hear it, then I want you to say, Jesus, I allow this blessing of fill in the blank to manifest in my life now. Amen. The other great thing is you can go back through forgiveness because often what I found in the healing ministry is that we have a long list of people that we perhaps have not had the chance to forgive. And um, it's a beautiful process that you can honestly use on a daily basis. So you could go back and you could say, Jesus, is there anyone else that I would benefit from forgiving? And when he highlights, then you say, all right, Jesus, Jesus, you know, show me what I feel this person owes me, and again, write it down and go through the process. And then Jesus will ask, "Are you willing to accept His blood as payment for all those things on your list that you feel this person owes you?" And then you can go back through the forgiveness prayer. It's incredibly powerful. It's um, I've seen many miracles come after people. Understand and step into this beautiful gift of forgiveness in a way that maybe we hadn't had the chance to do before. So, y'all, I want to wrap us up today. I want to thank you for taking the time to join me. Next week, we're going to gather for our last video, and I'm just going to be sharing a little bit about my testimony of Poolside, what I went through uh, to even get to this point, and we're going to kind of wrap up and um, conclude, and I've so enjoyed being with you. So I look forward to our last video in poolside, and I'd love to pray over you right now. Lord, I just thank you, Father God, for waking us up to the dialogue of doubt or distrust that we may have been listening to for many, many, many years in our life. And we ask you to forgive us where we brought that doubt and distrust, knowingly or unknowingly, to your word, when we read your word, when we've approached your word. And Lord, we now realize that that voice is not useful, that we ask for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you meet us every single time that we sit to read your word, every single time that we reach out to want to know God and take him at his word? Would you just give us the tools and the ability to digest his word without the filter of doubt and distrust? Would you give us a spirit of revelation and wisdom and desire to hear and learn and, and be more and more in relationship with Jesus as we walk out each and every day. And Lord, we ask for blessings over our homes and our family that all that we may be getting from this study, Lord, would you just extend that favor out to those in our home, those in our neighborhoods, those in our communities, Lord. We just cry out for our nation our nation that is in pain, and we just want to collectively come together and be a blessing to you, Lord. So show us. Show us how to walk out in full faith. Show us how to walk out and extend forgiveness to those around us. And show us, Lord, how to be the hands and feet of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Y'all, I'm so looking forward to being with you again next week. And like always, please send me pictures, comments, uh, feedback. I would love to hear your testimonies. You can email me from my website. You can uh, connect with me on social media, but I so look forward to hearing from you. Take care and God bless.